Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. Rabbi. The Passover Haggadah contains many mysterious passages, and one of them is the song Dayenu. The premise of the song Dayenu is that if X had happened, but X plus one had not happened, that would have been enough inspiration in order to praise God. Some of them are really strange, like if you had split the sea and not taken us through it, then that would have been enough. Strange, of course, because if the sea had split and we had not gone through it, we would still be on the side of the sea where the Egyptians were coming and might not have lived another day. But another one that's mysterious that I want to address today is where it says, Idu kirvanu lifne har sinai velo natalanu et hatora dai enu. If God had brought us together at Har Sinai and had not given us the Torah, that would have been enough. It's strange because what purpose would that have served for us to have arrived at Har Sinai, at Mount Sinai, the place where the Torah was ultimately given, if the Torah ultimately was not given? What would have been the purpose? of that gathering, such that it would have been worthy of praise. And we can find one possible answer when we look at the verses that describe the arrival at Har Sinai. And this is in chapter 19 of the book of Exodus. And it says there, Bachodash in the third month, let's say to Yisrael Meretz Mitzrayim, of the Jewish peoples having left Egypt. On this day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. And here's the verse I want to focus on. And they traveled from Rephidim. And they came to the wilderness of Sinai. And they encamped in the wilderness. Vaichan Sham Yisrael Neged Hahar. The verse literally means the people Israel or the tribe of Israel camped across from the mountain. But the Torah here uses the singular verb Vaichan, which would literally mean and he camped or it camped. So just within this verse itself, it says both Vayachanu and they camped Vayichan and he camped but it's referring to the same group of people our tradition indicates that something powerful and almost alchemical happened at this moment when the Israelites arrived at Sinai as a group of disparate individual selves and then something happened that they came together as one person, as one unit, Vayichan, and they camped together as one. And Rashi says as much. Ki'ishachad, 
Belevechad, like one person with one heart. At this point, at this moment in their journey, a communal heart was born. A heart that was not confined to the private experience of any one individual, but rather a heart that was amidst and among and between and shared by everyone in that community. A heart of which everyone would have had their own experience of it, but somehow there was a collective experience that included and transcended their experiences as individuals. Groups and communities also have a heart. Sometimes that heart can be captured and directed and inspired by an event, by a purpose, by a common cause. Sometimes that can be incredibly negative and destructive. I believe we have all seen in the history books and even in our current moment, communities, nations taken, captured in a vision, in a mission that takes all of their hearts together and presents one direction, one deep shared vision and commitment that leads to incredible pain and destruction. But hopefully we've also all participated in or witnessed moments in which communities come together beyond themselves because the beating heart of the community, the beating heart that goes beyond the individual takes them all up and directs them towards something amazing and fruitful and generative and alive and inspiring and productive. And sometimes that happens because we together see something beautiful that for a moment or a few moments takes us beyond ourselves and takes us into that shared communal heart space. It seems that current events in Ukraine have captured the heart of many people together and taken us beyond ourselves and even beyond our differences for a moment and directed us open-heartedly towards a people, a nation that's in pain. But we shouldn't have to wait for pain. We shouldn't have to wait for anything to come along and to capture our attention and to grab us beyond the possible self-absorption that can characterize our own relationship to our own hearts. We shouldn't have to wait for that. We can, and I might even say we should or even must, cultivate group heart on our own, even when we're not inspired and captured and riveted by something so big and so obvious that it takes us beyond ourselves. There are things we can and perhaps must do that can contribute to the cultivation of a group space, of a group heart that can then serve as a receptacle for a 
sense of direction and for movement that our community can then take up as its cause. And it seems that the Mishkan, the traveling temple that the Israelites had in the wilderness, served that kind of purpose. It served as a space, literally, the building of a space into which the voice of the divine could come. And it required the collective commitment and action and devotion and cooperation of an entire community. It required that people give. It required that people participate and work and help and use their hands and their minds and their goodwill and their mutual support to create a space, a heart. There will be Nachman talks about the heart space of the community so that people could know what it was that God would want from them and they could receive directions and direction from beyond themselves, from the divine voice to guide them in their journey through the wilderness. And that's why when the Mishkan is described in the Torah, it says, they will make me a Mishkan or a Mikdash, they will make me a temple, and I will dwell among them. Many people interpret this, I think errantly, to mean that I will dwell among each one of them as individuals. I don't like that because I don't think that that's what the Mishkan is doing. The Mishkan is very specifically a group project. And so I like the commentary of the Malbim who says that I will dwell among them. I'll, I'll dwell among them as a community. This Mishkan will make their disparate community into one unified whole, and then I will dwell among them as a community. So we, as communities, and I would define communities as any gathering of more than one person, a marriage, a family, a neighborhood, a synagogue, a committee, a team, a tribe, a nation. Every one of these can build a mishkan that takes them beyond their own individual experience and creates a group experience, a group heart, as it were. And the work that's done to make a mishkan, to make a lave, a heart of community involves that special synergy between individual work and group work. Meaning, for this to happen, outside of the eventuality of something so deeply compelling that it grabs our attention and pulls us beyond ourselves, accepting that for a moment, What's required is for us to, us to do the individual work of opening our hearts as individuals to the great communal heart. To open our hearts as individuals to the communal heart. And as such, the work is very doable. It's, it is within reach. A couple of the tools that we've discussed so far can be applied here. For example, not to be like Pharaoh, not to be closed off, not to shut out the information and the elements that are outside of us that need to be a part of our own hearts. We can't be a part of the communal heart if we don't care about the people in the community and the needs of the community. So when we notice ourselves blocked, when we notice that there's things about other people in the community that we don't feel that we can let in, those are the places where we may notice that we have to do some work to open ourselves up a little bit further 
Those are the places that we can identify and look at and point to and articulate and pray and nudge a little bit at those barriers and those obstacles. And as we discussed last time, a little bit of a more severe or hard-hitting tool is the tool of breaking the heart. When we encounter obstacles that we see are true, but we also know are not serving to protect us any longer, but really are only a function of fear or anger or self-absorption or the like, that we might need to break our hearts open. We might need to address that a bit more directly to take down the obstacles and the walls that we have to the communal heart. This is not to say that every concern of every individual in the community needs to be a concern of the community as a whole, and that every individual in the community needs to care about every concern about everyone else in the community. Rather, it means that there is a certain essential, non-negotiable element that is what keeps this community alive and is what makes this community a community. And to that, each person must be open and stay open if they would like to be able to participate in that community. And that could require something more forthright and direct in order to break one's heart open to the needs of the community. Returning briefly to the verse with which we opened that discussed the Jewish people and their arrival at Sinai and their ability to transcend for some amount of time their individual needs and to cultivate the heart of a community and open space enough to receive the word of God. As it said, they traveled from Rephidim and they came to Harsinai and they camped there and then they camped as one person across from the mountain. This place that they came from, Rephidim, was the place where Amalek attacked. Is the place where the tribe of Amalek attacked them. The tribe of Amalek is the very same one that shows up in the Purim story in the form of Haman. And the tribe of Amalek's primary tactic, as it were, is to separate the Jewish people from each other. Haman, in his claim to Ahasuerus about why it would be okay to dispose of the Jewish people, is that there's this scattered people, as it were. They're not unified. They don't have a unified heart as a community. Therefore, they're susceptible to this attack because they're not together and they're not committed. But also, without their communal power, they're nothing but a bunch of individuals. Haman was wrong at the core about this people who are unified, even when they're separate. But when the heart of the community is not active, there certainly is a danger to us as a nation and as individuals. Two of the small ways that we try to mend the fracturedness and the separateness that can sometimes characterize our people is through the mitzvot of matanot levyonim and mishloch manot ich l'reyehu, the gift to the poor, the gifts to the poor that we give on Purim to take the people who may have fallen out, who may be low and poor and broken, and to bring them back into our people by reminding them that they too are cared for. 
and also the gifts of food that we give each other as friends to try to mend, to try to remember that we care for each other and we take care of each other on this holiday at this very important time. This is especially useful if there's friends from which we have fallen away, if we feel like we've got some distance, if we feel like our relationship needs a little bit of mending. So much can be said about the very simple, beautiful act of sending food, of sending gifts to one another as a way of saying, even though we may have reached some kind of brokenness or have lost some sense of our connectedness, let's use this as a small bridge to try to build that together, try to build that community together. There's so much more to say than what we've said here today, but let this be a beginning of a conversation about how much we need and how much we need to do in order to cultivate the heart of the community. And may we all find ways to get over ourselves, to transcend our individual needs and our individual frustrations and find ways to connect to each other as a group and as a whole and to cultivate and to feed that unity that makes us who we are and gives us the power that we have in the world. Amen.